Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. See, this church was going through persecution, but again, it was measured. It was measured. And he says, be faithful unto death, and I'll give you the crown of life. I love what uh, one commentator says, a, a, a dear brother in Christ. He says, ease and prosperity are nowhere promised the Christian as a reward for his faith. Welcome, everyone, to our Bible study on Truth in Christ Radio. Today, our scripture says that you may be tested. God is also interested in testing us. We may not have the same opportunity to suffer for Jesus that the Christians in Smyrna had, but we can have their same heart. We may never be in a place to die a martyr's death, but we can live a martyr's life. Sadly, Many Christians avoid persecution of any kind by conforming so much to the world that they are no longer distinctively Christians. This wasn't the case for the Christians in Smyrna. They were tested and they passed the test. Now let's join Pastor Rob with today's study. It's a good thing because, again, I can can march around with all this bravado and, and boast of some great faith and then to realize when a storm comes up, I'm running for the hills. I'm screaming out loud and I'm, you know, cowering under my bed. You know, we don't always know these things until they come upon us. It says in Hebrews chapter 11 in that great hall of faith chapter, it says, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, it's the same word here as we, as we read uh, in this chapter in verse 10 here. When he, he was tested when he offered up Isaac, whom he had received, or he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. And so Abraham was tested. God knew the outcome of Abraham's obedience. He was going to go through it. You recall he pulled that knife up and he, his young son, he was probably 30 years old at this time, he was going to plunge the knife into his chest there on the Temple Mount in Israel in that area. And God, remember, stopped him because God wanted to find out, are you, are you, are you willing? I'm, I don't want you to do this, Abraham, but are you willing to? And at the time, Abraham didn't know that God was going to stop him. He was already going to go through with it, knowing very well that God did not approve of the pagan uh, practice of human sacrifice. He knew that. But he also trusted God that even if he did put Isaac to death, that God would raise him from the dead. That's what the rest of that passage tells us. 
And why are we tested? Why are we why do we go through these things? In first Peter chapter one and verse seven, these things happen to us that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious, listen to this, than gold that perishes. Gold perishes, it doesn't last forever, but the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That is awesome to consider. Um, My faith is being tested, and it's good for me because I need to know. God already knows the outcome. He can't learn anything. The moment he learns, he ceases to be God. If you read Psalm 139, he knows all things. There's there's nothing I, I... Even the thoughts that I'm going to think tomorrow, God knows. The very words that I speak tomorrow, God has already heard them. Can you imagine a being like that? that? That's who we're dealing with. That's who we worship. That's who we love. I love in Isaiah chapter 48, verse 10, he says, he's speaking to Israel in in this passage, and he says, Behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. Have the Jews gone through the furnace of affliction? You better believe it. They They were tested in Egypt. They were tested in Babylon. They were tested in Assyria. They were tested in all of the countries throughout the world that they were dispersed from when the Romans attacked them in 70 AD. They were tested and still are being tested more than any other people. I tell you, these folks are amazing. I love the Jewish people and I love the land of Israel. It, but they are they are smart and they're tenacious and they're ready for anything because they've had to be because everywhere they've gone they've been hunted they've been persecuted they've been slandered Nazi Germany under Hitler they tried to do that Yasser Arafat Gaddafi uh, Saddam Hussein Osama bin Laden and guess what the Jews are still here and all those guys are gone. All those guys are gone, but Israel still exists, and they're going along. And he says, notice in verse 10, back in our text, he says, You will have tribulation ten days. Now, there's a lot of speculation of what this means, and I won't get into this, but just understand that there is a very defined point of time that God is going to allow them to have tribulation. And, And to me, that's really encouraging, because whenever we go through something, it could be a physical affliction. You know, you may have... Uh, the shingles. You may have some disease of some kind. You may have the coronavirus. And How long is this thing going to last? God knows the length of it. And He knows what it's going to do and how it's going to affect you in the interim. He knows all these things. And aren't you glad that He knows the end of it? And you know, we need to trust Him and wait upon Him when we go through these things. He says, you will have tribulation ten days. And He says, be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. See, the devil hates the church, and he's hated the church since the day of Pentecost when the church began in Jerusalem, and he hates the fact that soon we will be exalted in glory because of our faith in Christ, but he will be sent to the lake of fire to, to live and, 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 and be uh, for eternity. He will be in, in flames and in torment. He hates the fact that we are going to spend time with him where there are pleasures forevermore. <laughs> And free from all of that pain and all of that anxiety, but he himself, there's no going back for him. And his, his judgment is sure, and it's going to happen. And the Bible says that he is, that's why today he is like a devouring lion, going throughout the earth, seeking whom he may devour. And you know what? This is real stuff, folks. we got family members who are held captive by drugs and pornography 
and, and held up in their hearts by materialism and, and all their life is getting, getting, getting and fulfilling this desire, fulfilling that desire. And at the end of it all, they will perish and they will not be in heaven. And see, that's why God uh, loves people. And that's why Satan is so furious against the church. He wants to kill that which God has redeemed. But see, the thing is, we have to come to him. We have to be willing to be redeemed. He's not going to force anybody to come to him. Are you going to come to him? Are you going to come to him today? I would encourage you to consider coming to Christ if you've never come to him. Because there's no greater joy, no greater thing in the, in the earth that you can experience than knowing that you're a child of God. It is the greatest and most glorious thing of all. He says, uh, you will have tribulation ten days, he tells this church. And this could have been ten different Roman emperors. This could have been ten different seasons of time. We don't really know exactly what this means, but it's a, a defined time. To me, that's, that's good news. But I love what it says in Romans 8.31. It says, what shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? You know, uh, the the enemies of the cross, the enemies of God, the enemies of Jesus Christ have, since the beginning, tried to snuff out the church, snuff out the, the effectiveness of the church, and it will not come to pass. Jesus said, the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. It's his church. It doesn't belong to me. It doesn't belong to any other pastor. The church belongs, we belong to him. We belong to him. And if God is for us, who can be against us? And see, this church was going through persecution, but again, it was measured. It was measured. And he says, be faithful unto death, and I'll give you the crown of life. I love what uh, one commentator says, a, a, a dear brother in Christ. He says, ease and prosperity are nowhere promised the Christian as a reward for his faith. Ease and prosperity are nowhere promised the Christian as a reward for his faith. On the contrary, he is warned to expect persecution in this hostile world, and we must live for Christ today. That is the only way to guarantee that we would be able to die or, or Christ tomorrow. And notice that Jesus will give you the crown of life. Smyrna was called the crown city, and it's kind of uh, poetic if you think of it. <laughs> It was called the crown city because the Acropolis there in Smyrna was encircled with flowers and a hedge, and so it looked like a laurel wreath and the hedge and the myrtle trees. I love what it says in Hebrews chapter 12. You know, we sang the song this morning, Overcome, and I chose that song on purpose because what does it say in Hebrews 12? Paul writing, I believe, he says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses... Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And Paul is thinking of the, uh, the Roman games, the Isthmus games, whatever they were called, the, the Olympics, that, that he was thinking of those games when he was thinking this. He says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher. He's the author and he's also the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, for considered him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. And I love what it says in James 2 concerning this crown of life. He said, Blessed is the man who endures temptation. 
For when he has been approved, he will receive a crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Do you want that crown of life? I know I do. I'm looking forward to that day. And, and, and again, that, that judgment seat of Christ, not a judgment for bad things, but for a judgment for believers who will receive rewards. The Bible tells us that we'll take the crowns that we've earned, that God has, um, that He's going to give to us because of our obedience to Him. And He's going to give us crowns. He's going to give us rewards. And we're going to take those rewards and we're going to cast them at His feet. And we're going to exalt Him and say, Lord, if it wasn't for you, I would have nothing. There's, this crown would mean nothing. I would have no reward if you hadn't have worked in my life. See, in and of myself, and maybe you can attest to this as well, I know there's nothing good within myself. Try as I might to be a good person, I just I can't be a good person. At, time and time again, I realize where I fall and where I fail. And it's only as a, a believer in Christ I know that my righteousness, my righteousness is not what makes me accepted into heaven. It's His righteousness. And we receive His righteousness by receiving Christ, by believing in what He did, what He said, what He's, what he's done, and what He's going to do. So we believe in Him. But notice, the verse 11 here is our final verse. He who overcomes, or he who has an ear, excuse me, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So this letter was meant to be read by all those churches, those seven churches that we talked about, Smyrna and Ephesus and Laodicea and Sardis and Philadelphia. All these churches were to read the letters of the other churches that Jesus sent because each one of those has an effect on us. We all see ourselves. There's some shade of meaning there for all of us to look at. I would encourage you to read chapters 2 and 3, and, and as a Christian, examine your own heart under these things and say, you know, which one of these things, which one of these churches, which one of these letters that Jesus wrote to the church, where do I, where, where do I fit into all of this? You might fit into a couple of them, and you might even receive some of the encouragement that God gives, but also look at the, the things that you know that aren't right, because Jesus also gives some um, minor rebuke and sometimes a sharp rebuke to some of those churches. But he who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 4, the apostle who wrote this book that we're reading today, uh, the book of Revelation, he penned it anyway, For whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. And is that faith something that I have... Uh, mustered up myself? Is that faith something that I have done? Am I responsible for my faith? Um, I think faith is something that God gives to you, and it's something that can be exercised. But it originally came from Him. I didn't have it within me. God gave me even the faith to believe in Him. Isn't that incredible? Do you see that He's given everything? And all we have to do is simply trust and believe Him. How hard is that? it, It makes sense. It's the most reasonable thing to consider Christ. In John chapter 16, verse 32, Jesus speaking, He says, Behold, the hour comes, yea, is now come, that you shall be scattered, every man to his own, and shall leave me alone. And He was speaking to His disciples right before His, um, his, before his arrest in the Garden of Gethsemane. He says, You're going to all leave me alone, and yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. And these things I have spoken to you, that in me you might have peace. Notice, in the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, Jesus says. I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. 
I, I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful that I don't even have to be too concerned about what happens to me. I know that anything that comes into my life comes through the filter of His divine love and grace. And to me, that makes all the difference in the world because if He's allowing me to go through a great uh, mountaintop experience, it's just to encourage me. And if He allows me to go into the depths of, of difficult things, I know there's a reason for that. And it's to refine me, isn't it? It's to refine me. And maybe it's to get my attention. Maybe I've been getting my eyes focused on other things. And sometimes it's good to get our eyes back on Jesus. Know the song that we sing. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. And so I can often get my my attention, my focus off. And He allows something in my life just to wake me up a little bit. And sometimes I need to be woken up. And sometimes it has nothing to do with anything. Although I doubt that, that there's, there's a reason for everything. But He is sovereign over it all. And notice what it says here in the very last verse, and then we'll end. He says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. The second death. There's a phrase that says, If you are born once, you will die twice. If you are born twice, you will die once. And what does that mean? Every one of us is born physically. We were born from our mother's womb and we came into the world. But if we were born only once, we're going to die a physical death and we're certainly going to die a second death. That's eternal damnation. That's eternal death. And nobody likes to talk about that, but it's the truth. That's the one thing that nobody wants to talk about anymore, but yet it's the most important thing because... Uh, that that is really we, we determine what we do in this first life that if we're born once if we receive Christ during that time then we're born twice right we're born physically and then we're born again as it says in John chapter 3 so we're born twice and then physically we're going to die but guess what we're going to live forevermore we're going to live eternally and those who die who, who are born um, born once they will die twice they will die twice. They'll die a physical death, and they'll also be part of the second death. And the Bible says that. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 20, just at the end of this book here. And we'll just read this, and we'll be done. It won't take very long, but it's important that we look at this because uh, it's the great white throne judgment. Anyone who is uh, at this great white throne judgment, and this is after the, the tribulation period. This is after Satan has been judged. Uh, at the end and after the thousand years of Christ on this earth, what does it say? Then I saw a great white throne. We're looking at uh, Revelation 20, verse 11. We just got a few verses and then we'll be done. Thanks for hanging in there. He says, Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead. These are dead who, not only dead in Christ, uh, spiritually dead too. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and notice books were opened. And these are the books of the, the a record of all the deeds that you've ever done. And he says, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And notice, and the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. Do you see that everything that we've done Especially for uh, this, this, this judgment is for unbelievers, not for believers. We've already been taken with the Lord, 
But at this judgment is strictly for unbelievers. And every deed that they've ever done is going to be manifest before them and before God. He knows all things. It won't take him long to be able to communicate the sentence. And it says, And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. So anyone who has died and has gone to Hades, or hell as we call it, those will be brought, they will be resurrected, and they will be judged. Notice, they will be judged, each one according to his works, and then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And so there is a resurrection of the just, and there's a resurrection for the unjust. We know that at the rapture of the church, if you're part of the church, when the rapture occurs, you'll be going up with the Lord. Your your body will be changed. You'll be transformed. You'll have a body like Jesus had on his resurrection day, one that can pass through, has different physical properties, can pass through walls, can pass through the wraps that he was buried in. That's exactly what happened. That's the kind of body we're going to receive. But there's also a resurrection of the unjust, the resurrection of the wicked, those who have denied Christ all their life, and then when they die, their spirit goes to Hades or hell. And at that and, and they're there for a season until this judgment. And at this judgment, death and hell and everyone contained in it will be cast into the lake of fire, which is the final resting place and the eternal resting place for the wicked for all of eternity. And see, that's why we are encouraged to share the truth with those that we love. That is why we talk to friends and family and co-workers. This is why it's so important, because none of us wants to see anybody that we love go through these things. And so, I take these things seriously, but, but you know, as we look at these uh, churches, next week we'll be getting into the next church, uh, letter that Jesus wrote to the church of Pergamos, and this was a church that was involved in compromise. So we'll look at at that as well. And I tell you, these letters, as we go through them, they're not easy, are they? As we read them, we see a reflection of ourselves. We see a reflection of, of things around us. And boy, it, it really they really are sobering, and they're meant to be that way. And I, I would encourage you not to get discouraged and not to shrink back from these. I'd encourage you to come and and listen to these uh, because there's great encouragement and there's also great warning as well. And, and we really need both of those things. I need to be warned. Even as a Christian, I still need to be warned. And I need to be encouraged too because uh, otherwise you get really despondent and you get really discouraged. And see, the Lord knows that, that balance that we need, especially as Christians. And, and He knows. Uh, but let's take our hearts before the Lord right now and just ask Him to do whatever He wants. Okay, Father, we just thank you for this time together. We thank you for uh, this letter that you've written to the church at Smyrna, Father. And Lord, we, we, we look at this church and we see that it was a, a, a poor church, a, a persecuted church by the world, by the Jews, and by the devil himself. And, and Lord, we know that um, these things are coming uh, for, for us, the church. We don't know the time, but we know that it's just part and parcel for being a Christian, these difficulties that we face in life. Lord, help us not to shrink back or to abandon you because of these these things. And right now, Lord, we are not going through that so much. But Lord, whenever it is in the future, 
that these things begin to ramp up. Lord, help us to read this letter again and to realize that we are in good company. Lord, that we are in good company. And so we thank you, Lord, that you're the head of the church. Lord, that you're the head of all things, and we can trust you, Lord. Have your way with us tonight and all throughout this day. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Revelation. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcasts. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.